1: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Tuesday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented
2: by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is in, and we're going to see a lot of Damon, man, this weekend. On Friday, Elijah is—is is he taking the? Uh, is he camping? Yeah, you can talk. It's all right. I mean, it's safe to assume
0: whenever Elijah's gone that he's, he's going in the somewhere. Woods. There's,
2: my, Yeah, he's a wooded, bearded beast. It's good to see Elijah last night at Longwell's. Willie J down there, thanks to you, who came down. And not much of a title game, although Gonzaga made it interesting at half and cut it down to 10. But, man, too much Baylor, too athletic, too physical, and there you have it. So we'll uh, spend limited amounts of time on that backhanding. Uh, for the national title game, but uh, plenty of spring football thoughts to get into. Mitch Sherman going to be with us from The Athletic. We'll talk some big red football with Mitch and then kind of a a player-coach combo for you in Hour 2. Excited to spend time with Rob Zadiska, uh, Dr. Rob, part of the uh, pipeline for Nebraska, the national championship team in 94, the pride of Lincoln East. Dr. Rob will talk some O-line with us. We'll get into some Adrian thoughts with him. And also Rick Kaczynski of Kaz Tuesday. Uh, we'll get Kaz's thoughts here on, you know, lining up every week against a, a Big Ten offensive or defensive line. You know, what what do you need to be built like to do so? And we know Nebraska football made a big-time effort from day one of the Frost era to get uh, bigger and stronger with Zach Duvall. That has been an emphasis, and those guys have gone to work with that. So that's nice. So get some thoughts on the offensive line with Dr. Rob Zadiskill. We'll get some thoughts on, on Adrian and where the offense can go and just what, what type of mentality you need because Coach Austin wants these guys playing uh, playing angry. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 800 825 Five eight six five. Can email Chris at hailvarsity and get us a follow on Twitter if you like at Schmidt underscore Radio Chris Schmidt at Damon Bar that's two R's for Damon. You can also follow ESPN Lincoln and uh, at Hail Varsity. So uh, let's dive into the 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 story here, and we spent a lot of time on uh, Adrian Martinez yesterday. We heard from Adrian. We heard from Mario Verdusco. And really, two things help trigger this offense. It's, it's a lot of different puzzle pieces, a lot of different cogs in the machine. But I love Mitch's story uh, that he wrote uh, on, on yesterday. And it's, it's really pretty well titled and, and well explained quarterback makeover. And once in a while, and I don't know if you get sucked into it, but sometimes you lose the remote battle and if you lose the remote battle that means she gets to watch what she wants and um you can slither off to a different room and i do that a lot but occasionally she wins the remote battle in the bedroom which means that it'll either be s creek or you know the uh the hgtv stuff and i'm like why are you watching that we'll never be able to add a sunroom <laughs> please no no sunroom so the, the makeover part's interesting and you see the finished product and in nebraska's case that's going to be bull eligibility and <laughs> better standing in the big 10 this fall for football but part of that man is the construction work that goes on or the demolition and i haven't quite decided you know how much demo is going to go on I think you're going to keep some of the walls. I think you're going to keep some of the, the main structure to keep going with this house analogy, but I I think you can, you can absolutely use some paint or, or take out some, some carpet and put some new flooring in. And that flooring is going to be the offensive line in the run game, but it's going to be about Adrian. And, and when I look at Adrian, you know, what, what does a reinvented Adrian Martinez look like? Well, First and foremost, it's, it's going to be a guy that is playing free and playing confident. So you saw a confident, carefree guy who went and took a job as a freshman. And, and that launching pad moment was the spring game of, of 18. And, and what's transpired since then? Well, you had Adrian get dinged a little bit, missed some time through a malicious play with Colorado, and then also a a bit of a tweak with his knee. And and then you saw him do some really nice things as a freshman. And then what happened after that, you had expectations, you had anticipation, you had hype. Hype's a mother. Hype can, can make you not walk upright. It can really kind of bog you down on the shoulders with, Living ex- up to expectations, the hunter versus the hunted. You've heard Bill Moose talk about it, and you're different if you're worried about or you're dealing with that that red target on your back. And that's what a lot of 2019 was. On top of the fact he he got injured, and then there was last year. And this this is a this is a movie, right? For a lot of quarterbacks in college football, you're you're not as good as you want to be. You're probably not playing at 100 percent. And then you're you're forcing it. And, and I'm saying this. He is not because he's a good teammate, but he doesn't have a lot around him. OK, didn't have a lot around him. And you didn't have guys getting open. You didn't have him making the best decisions all the time because he wanted to make a play, keep his job, and he really hadn't been pushed or had to compete for a gig since he beat out Jebbia that freshman year. And here's Luke McCaffrey. You know, we don't get to watch practice. It'll be open tomorrow morning for the first 30 minutes, which will be great. But you had Adrian for the first time, really, since his freshman year, have to go kind of go out and win a job. And then they're always, all right, each misstep or mistake, am I going to get yanked? That can mess with your head. And from a, from a repetition standpoint, how much rep time was going to McCaffrey, Versus Adrian, you, and, and you either when you get squeezed with pressure to perform, you either play great or you you crumble a little bit and he crumbled a little bit. Your confidence can go south and you got to build that back up. So the, the thing I, I would put Damon's money and my money on is that Adrian Martinez is, is pretty bulletproof with his mental strength. It, we all can waver. And doubt ourselves but eventually you come back to the confidence side of thing, and that's the one thing I think Adrian in his three years here will be able to make this makeover with the offense around him uh, be more potent, be better and and be more uh, mentally resilient but he's got to get help to, to remain physically resilient. That's going to be run game, that's going to be offensive line, that's going to be wide receiver room and we talk about a reinvented adrian martinez and uh, when it comes to the offense it's it's going to be not only his decision making but it it doesn't have to all be on him so a guy that spoke to the media yesterday is levi falk a wide receiver and i really enjoyed what he had to say we didn't quite have time for a, a lot of what he hit on yesterday we spent a lot of time on adrian martinez and and mario verdusco right so what what's levi say this is the receiver and we'll start off here with well the guy that's trying to get open for him trying to get downfield right there's a lot of things that you want with this nebraska offense you want physicality you want downhill running you want play action you want guys separating and uh, you want to be pretty balanced where it's not just an imbalance in the run game where you're, your most explosive runner's been your quarterback. It's got to be a couple of running backs with a sprinkling of quarterback run, and then you uh, ideally get that play action and find guys open. Uh, there's a lot of separation. If I remember back to Nebraska's play action the last 30 years, because everyone's, oh, whoops, they aren't running the ball. It's a fake. Well, there's uh, Matt Harrian or Johnny Mitchell as a tight end down the middle, or davison or uh give me a receiver mo purify i know that's the callahan era kenny bell right you fake to a amir you find kenny bell touchdown you go downtown quincy anunua against georgia right uh, imagine that but here's levi falk uh, on adrian this spring and, and levi was pretty insightful
3: yeah i think he his arm looks a lot stronger he's uh throwing with a better motion it looks really smooth out there and he's just being a leader out there and I think we all know how good he is.
2: So when we talk about this Q, this quarterback makeover, we'll get into it more with Mitch Sherman and the reinvention. Mechanics go into it. And if he's got a smoother motion, good. I've never been a, a quarterback scientist where I look at a guy's motion and say, that's great or that's garbage. I mean, who am I, right? I mean, I look at Phillip Rivers, and that's like, eh. But it worked for 19 years. I look at Peyton Manning. It, it sometimes... Guys would pull shotguns out and try and shoot the football down because Peyton didn't always have a tight spiral, but guess what? He won two Super Bowls. So from a mechanic standpoint, I'm the last guy to like analyze it. like I'll let I'll let, I'll let Mario and Frost handle that. but if if his own receivers saying, well, he's he's smoother, there's some more juice on it. good. Uh, back to the the guessing game at quarterback, it was probably tough on the quarterbacks, but it had to be tough on the receivers because you want to build up a chemistry and a rapport, here's more from Levi Falk on the guessing game that was the quarterback merry-go-round.
3: Yeah, last year, I mean, I think we were all pretty confident in both of them. So uh, maybe when we get close to the season, I'll be able to realize the difference. But, uh, yeah, it will be good to know that Adrian's our starter and uh, we all know how good he is.
2: So there's some faith there. And, you know, it'd be nice to get to not, not the bottom of, but just sit down and have a frank conversation with, the the positive and negative effect of using a two quarterback setup. And you, you, the old saying is, "If you don't have, uh, if you have two, you don't have one," and and that can affect the offense. Sometimes it can work. When I think of Florida and their national championship team in two thousand seven, I think yeah, two thousand seven. But are you seeing Adrian more urgent? Is there? Is he pressing? Is he pushing? And I was I was interested to hear that answer from the question. And here's what Levi had to say.
3: Uh, no, he's always been the, the leader, the guy. Uh, I know you see a lot of like those media videos and he's always the one speaking up and everyone looks up to him. So I mean, the, the urgency is always 100 percent for him. So no change there.
2: So back to this makeover theme mechanics. OK, motions better. Uh, offensive line gonna get nastier. They're trying to play angry run game. Find backs that can accelerate through the hole and, and give a pounding to to wide receiver play. Uh, that's that's the big key. Explosive plays from the wide receiver. Right. That's part of this makeover. And I don't know if it's the uh, the non-destructive vinyl flooring. I don't know if it's the new windows or the coat of paint. Maybe you took out a wall. But uh, the wide receiver plays so key here, cut seven, on what they've been doing. And I'll say this. Uh, it's been a while since you've had guys really separate. And the other side of it is if guys did get open, Adrian didn't see them in some instances, or they couldn't hit him, couldn't find them. But more from Levi Falk and uh, part of this uh, this quarterback topic.
3: So, yeah, that's something that we lacked last year. Uh, So, yeah, we've been obviously watching a ton of film on uh, certain guys in the NFL who are really good at creating that space late in the route, and uh, that's what we've been emphasizing on, and uh, we've been hitting on a lot more of those uh, this spring. We've been hitting on a lot of deep balls, which is different than last year. We didn't really attempt that many. And now I think uh, Adrian's trusting our wide receivers because he's got to have the trust in us that we're going to make the plays. And this spring we've been, we've been making some of those deep plays.
2: It's so simple when we talk about trust. It is an absolute two-way street. And if you're Adrian, why aren't you throwing the ball downfield? Now, a lot of factors. A, didn't have time a lot of time. B, how healthy was his arm? C, all right, are they going to get open? Can someone go up and get a 50-50 ball for me? Can I find the guy? Is there separation? All of that went into it. Versus, okay, there there were so many questions. You just didn't jack with it. You didn't try it that often. That's not that they didn't want to. It's it's uh, is this going to turn out well for Nebraska football? Couple of thoughts here from Levi Falk here when it comes to special teams and uh, the the renewed emphasis. And this this blew a lot of people away yesterday because of. Not only just how much they're emphasizing special teams, but when they're doing it as part of the practice session.
3: It's way bigger of an emphasis this year. I mean, we start every practice out. That's the first thing we do is is special teams, and we're moving full speed every drill in special teams. And um, yeah, we definitely need to make a huge improvement there this year.
2: And what was going on last year? Here's more on on Levi Falk.
3: Last year, we started off practice with a. Team tempo, so it's just offense first, de- defense right out of the gate, and uh, special teams was shortly after that. But I think it's just different. Start that's the first thing you're going to do. That's the biggest emphasis on the day, and uh, makes a big difference.
2: So the the next question that needs to be answered from a coach: why, <laughs> why, why for at least last year, maybe the second year, maybe year one? You know, why weren't you starting out with special teams? Well, I know tempo and offense is kind of your, your wheelhouse as a head coach and offensive coordinator. But, man, the, the little things and special teams are about little things. Uh, win a lot of ball games in the Big Ten, at least better late than never here with the emphasis shift. More on the quarterback and Mitch Sherman's next. to Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes! That's awesome!
2: Coming up here, Hour 2, uh, Dr. Rob Zadiska. We'll talk some O-line. Rick Kaczynski next hour. We say hi to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. At Mitch Sherman on Twitter, does an awesome job covering Nebraska. And a really good story on The Athletic from Mitch, the quarterback makeover topic uh, At Mitch Sherman on Twitter, Mitch, uh, really awesome read today. Thanks for your time and a lot to to digest yesterday with Adrian post practice and also Mario Verdusco and uh, really enjoyed your your column yesterday. And if you were to give me a couple of points and in, in let's say we're we're renovating or redoing the, the Adrian Martinez house, what are two things you need to see in in fall uh, from Adrian here when we talk about this makeover?
5: Yeah, thanks, Chris, uh, and good to talk to you as always. Happy Tuesday. That's right, man. <laughs> I would say, I would say, um, well, number one, the turnovers, and that was Mario Verduzco's first comments, initial comments. I think he answered the question before it was finished being asked yesterday after practice about, essentially, along those same lines: is is what, what do you want to see from Adrian this spring? And and he said. Uh, cut the frickin' turnovers and, uh, you know, keep, take care of the damn ball, uh, I think, that, to quote him exactly. And, you know, that means practice, too. You, you, obviously, he doesn't have an opportunity to um, avoid turnovers uh, when they count for another five months. But uh, as Adrian said later on in the day when, when he did his interview, it starts with practice film. It starts with ball security drills that they do. Uh, in in the spring uh, again in the fall and you know he has to work on that uh, Interceptions weren't as much of a problem for him last year as fumbles um, he had two of each in the in the uh, season finale against Rutgers in, in which he otherwise played extremely well and uh, led Nebraska to a win but it was a 28 to 21 win that may have been 45 to 21 or 45 to 14 if not for those four turnovers that the quarterback played a played a role in, so that that has to to, to um, you know there has to be changed there in that area and then number two, uh, you know what's been talked about by Scott Frost and then again yesterday with Martinez and Verdusco is the importance of uh, fine tuning uh, you might even say remaking nebraska's downfield passing game. Uh, it was not good last year the the uh, the numbers are in my story that I wrote today about balls in the air uh, over 10 yards in distance and uh, Martinez completed just 18 to 38 for about 400 yards with, with um, three interceptions and one touchdown last, last season. So it was a limited schedule. He didn't start two of the eight games, but the completion percentage and the touchdown to interception ratio is not wanted in that category. And that's not just on him. That's on the receivers and the offensive line, the running backs, and everybody. so... Uh, they all have room to grow in that area but um, he is the one who throws the ball and and it's it's um it needs to get better with the accuracy and and decision making down the field
2: you know decision making is that's what i i chalk up there there's a lot of the fumbles have been effort plays where he's trying to to make something happen mm-hmm. he gets hit and and the ball pops out and they're just not going to risk simulating a game-type physicality in practice, but you have, absolutely can work on ball security drills for sure and cover up and and not not fumble. But you know how much of the the offensive struggles do you put on on Adrian? Because I look at, at downfield passing, right? I think that's going to be so so huge, and I think they have. They have they have guys that can get open and get downfield. At least they should, based on on the athletes they've been compiling here for three years. But it all kind of centers around the run game and the offensive line. If they can run better, everything else opens up. So, how much of this is is Adrian in decision making versus the other parts around him needing to step up? If you, and I'm not asking to to point fingers or blame, but I don't think it's all on Adrian. Is, is my point? He'll take the arrows for it. He'll he's he's accountable that way, but. I don't think I don't think he's he's like the sole cause of why the offense has struggled for, for so long
5: oh no for sure not and the receivers have had their struggles that have been documented yeah. not just not just getting open downfield but as simple as and as important as, as staying in the program and having consistency uh, within the roster Nebraska you know we all know the receivers who have who have left the school before their time has been up in the last couple of years and it's an accomplished list of players who honestly have done a lot more than the guys who are here right now. So they, they have a lot to prove the players who are here, you know, they've remade this, this receiver room since Matt Lubick has, has come on the scene now 15, 16 months ago. And, you know, including the players who are in the 2021 recruiting class, the freshmen who are coming in over the summer, they are much bigger. When Nebraska takes the field in August to start practice, and you add in Latrell Neville um, and and Sean Hardy um, and and Grimes, the kid from Florida, mm-hmm. they, you know, with Xavier Betts, uh, with Samari Toure, um, you know, with Levi Falk, who is who is about I think about a six foot one guy. The size is. Hugely different, and that's the direction that they've wanted to go to get things fixed at receivers. So we'll see if that is a plan that can work and that's something that can fix the downfield passing game. And That's not even bringing into play the tight ends, who are a huge part of what Nebraska wants to do when it gets 15, 20 yards and beyond down the field. Um, Austin Allen is a proven guy. Travis Bokelec is a dominant blocker who's been in the program for two years now. And, of course, you're adding in Thomas Fidoni, who is arguably the best, the highest-rated mm-hmm. tight end out there among newcomers in college football this year. So um, there's a lot to work with for Martinez. It absolutely is not entirely his fault that Nebraska has struggled to throw the ball down the field in recent seasons. But um, more people are going to look at him than they look anywhere else because he's the quarterback.
2: Mitch Sherman's with us from the athletic and can find Mitch on Twitter at Mitch Sherman. Great story here on, on Adrian Martinez, Nebraska, the offense and uh, the makeover. And, you know, we talk about what the big 10 is and it's physical. It's great line of scrimmage play. It's special teams. It's twenty-one uh, seventeen. <laughs> a lot of Saturdays with mm-hmm. with a lot of blood and, and dirt and mud, right? I mean, it's it's throwback. We need John Vicenda's voice somewhere in this, but uh, that's how you're going to win a lot of ball games. Do you feel like it's it's more of a reality, Mitch, that Nebraska may be kind of shifting towards downhill? I think Scott Frost always wants to be physical, and I think he wants to run the football. But do you think they're they're matching up running? backs with, with an offensive line that can do it. Do you think they're they're further or, or closer to being able to do that? Not only take some pressure off your quarterback and make things easier on your passing game, but also inflict will with the run game.
5: Yeah, I mean Divina Zigbo in Frost's first year when the offense was at its best mm-hmm. over these last three seasons was a good downhill runner, especially in the you got into the second part of that season. He, you know, he did what Nebraska wants to do and running the ball downhill, and that was without an offensive line that had progressed to the level that it has now, just because of recruiting and, and the guys that they had in the program three years ago, they weren't there. So this may be the first year where they've got both pieces somewhere close to a place where they want, and I mean by that I mean the linemen and the running backs at running back. It's just, it's just a matter of numbers right now that are in Nebraska's advantage. There's not a proven guy there among the six on scholarship. And you can even put two or three walk-ons in that group of players who are going to be pushing for playing time. You know, I, I I've talked to Ryan held this off season and then heard him talk again yesterday. And you know, he's not, he's not giving it to anyone this spring or this summer. You know, one thing we don't know about yet, and there are some players who who are held out or who are being held out, and there are guys who are dealing with injuries. And I think that that goes around the field; it's not you know limited to, to the linebackers or the defensive line. I mean, I, I think you're going to see guys as we get into this next week of spring practice, and some news comes out who are missing some time. And you know, if that injury bug has hit the running back position, it's going to be a little bit more clear to whom Nebraska is going to look. Um, you know, some of that, we may see a little of that tomorrow. There's an open period of practice um, in the morning when Nebraska gets on the field, and I'm interested probably first, to see, before I look at anything else, I'm going to look and see who's carrying the ball at the running back spot when they get that first-team offense out there. It's not like we get to watch a scrimmage. So it's not all all telling, the uh, the observations that we can make uh, as media in those 30 minutes or so with, with – with, um, a team on the practice field, but you can generally get a sense, even if it's just how they're going through drills and taking handoffs, what the pecking order is, at least now, five practices into the spring, and that sets the tone for the rest of the off season and, and, and going into the fall. So, um, you know, ask me again next week what I think about the ability of Nebraska to run downhill, and I'll probably have a better answer for you than I do today.
2: Well, that's true, and, and we'll see who's actually physically on the field to, to carry the ball, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a great point, and you and I are kind of on the same wavelength with, uh, you know, is there some injury news looming, and will it be verified tomorrow with who's uh, who's in pads and, and who's not? Mitch, uh, about a minute here. Just a, a quick take from you on Adrian's demeanor. He's always great with the media, but uh, and he's always been a, a serious guy as well. But mm-hmm. how do you think his three years have, have treated him in Lincoln here? Does he seem... I don't want to see say chippy, but does, he seems pretty pretty focused. That's that's the word I'd use is focused. But do you think he's um, it's? Do you think he's bothered by how things have gone?
5: Yeah, I think he's bothered by the fact that they you know have averaged four wins a season uh, over his first three years. That's not how he envisioned it. Obviously, that's not uh, how Frost and Verduzco envisioned it when they talked to him back in December of seventeen. You know that was a whirlwind thing, and you know we we mm-hmm. all remember that, and, and how he was the cornerstone prospect, and and the guy who w- was going to lead Nebraska uh, through the first chapter of, of the Scott chapters plural of the Scott Frost era. And you know there's still time for him to do that. There's still time for him to to write a new one and, and write a, a closing chapter. He could have two years left in this program. Uh, we will we will we will see. You know he said he's taking it one year at a time, mm-hmm. and and there's no reason to look down the road because of. All the crazy stuff that's happened over the last three years, and, and that's you know that's a mature approach. Um, you know, I, I don't I think there's a lot of you know forty year olds who wouldn't take that wouldn't be able to have that attitude. And I think Adrian means that when he says that, and that's always been the thing with him. When he was seventeen years old, and he was looking at schools, and he started to get interested in Nebraska, uh, his maturity jumped off the jumped off the page uh you know it jumped out of the telephone line talking to him Mm -hmm. first you know i think everybody who who has who has met him marvels somewhat at how mature he is and now that he's 21 um you know it's it's uh you know we take it for granted a little bit but his demeanor is is really no different than it was at the beginning other than that he's had the experiences of the last three years and you know i think you know reality has hit him in the face a bit you know it's not all sunshine um it's never been all sunshine for even the most successful quarterbacks at nebraska playing quarterback here you're under the microscope and and he has been for sure um over these last three seasons but he's handled it well um like you'd expect for uh for him and uh, you know i think he's in a good place heading into uh this fourth season
2: mitch we'll see you this week and thanks for the time today bud all
5: right good to talk to you
1: chris Chime in, 402 espn or email the show, Chris, at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time.
2: Good to talk with Mitch Sherman and get his take on things. And, you know, good for Adrian, man, if he's not happy or driven and focused Amen, right? Get wins, get to a bowl game, and use this springtime to fine-tune and get on the same page offensively. Numbers to dive in. And join us, 466 3776 466 825 5865 can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or uh, find us on uh, Twitter uh, with Damon Barr at Damon Barr. And email Chris at hailvarsity.com. So uh, we'll get more into the Nebraska spring sessions. Where can that offensive line go? Uh, Rob Zadiska with us in about 20 minutes. Rick Kaczynski. Coach K is going to weigh in on Adrian and and, uh, this team moving forward. So, uh, quick thought here on last night's championship game. You weren't going to get Saturday Night Part Two, you weren't going to get a sequel. You weren't going to get something that resembled you know, one of the greatest games we've seen in in sports in a long time between UCLA and Gonzaga. But you did have two stories. You had unbeaten Gonzaga that's been 20 years in the making and already been to one championship game and, and lost to North Carolina a couple of years ago to Roy. What you got from Gonzaga here is a team that was undefeated trying to, to – being the Bobby Knight, John Wooden conversation of of great teams that survived and advanced and went unbeaten. Meanwhile, you have Baylor and Coach Drew that uh, are not even two decades removed from the Dave Bliss uh, House of Horrors down there. And I picked Baylor. Jeff Smith was with us yesterday. Coach Smith's like, look, dude, you gotta score 90 to, (laughs) to beat Gonzaga. And Baylor didn't quite get the 90, but their defense sure as hell held Gonzaga uh, 22 points below their average. And I just thought Baylor with with Mitchell, what he does offensively and defensively, and then Baylor just cranking up threes. But above all, Baylor's so long, so physical, so athletic, so talented. I thought there are more dudes on Baylor's team than than there are on Gonzaga's team. So that's why I picked Baylor and won my stake in my beer bet with Elijah last night. Uh, and I wanted the points. So the way it started out, Gonzaga gave great effort to come back, but Baylor just kept coming, and they were too good from three-point land. And again, not to to pile on the the mid-major level versus the Power Five League, but that's what it was last night. There's Baylor with Power Five dudes, and Gonzaga – Clearly has power five guys, guys that are going to go play in the NBA. Baylor just had more of them. And uh, you saw just the difference between a, a team loaded up like Baylor. It was deep and talented and tested. And Gonzaga, not their fault this year with COVID. But Gonzaga, it just, it just they had no shot last night. It wasn't supposed to be a, a, a blowout. But Baylor, man, they just kept coming, had an answer, and kept coming. Uh, speaking of, of Mountain West and, and other leagues like that that do produce really good teams, Tim Miles news. And how's this grab you? Tim Miles officially now at San Jose State, hired on today. And uh, Coach Miles was wanting a job, needing a job, wanting to get back into basketball after being out for a couple of years. I uh, was connected to the New Mexico gig. They went with Little Richard Petino. Every time I say the word Richard, I think a Tommy boy. Richard. But anywho, uh, you have Tim Miles. It's now at San Jose State, Silicon Valley. The reality is this, when we talk fit and match. Uh, San Jose State is 20. And 90-something. And what, what the hell's the record here? Not, they're 20 in like 96 in four years under the previous coach. They are below the basement in the Mountain West. What's Tim Miles do? Tim Miles builds. Tim Miles builds up. And he didn't get the Utah State gig. UNLV went elsewhere. And Tim knows the Mountain West. Tim has won in the Mountain West. Tim has built in the Mountain West. So the way I look at that is he got a job. He needed the job. There's no downside here because they can't suck any worse than they have. We're talking averaging four or five wins a season in league play. And they're investing lots of money into some infrastructure and facilities at San Jose State. Uh, salary's not great, but Tim's set there. So the only way to go is up and Tim's okay with that. You weren't going to get the Utah state of Loyola gig. And right now Tim's got a, we talked about Adrian kind of reinventing himself. Tim's got to do that as well. and Tim's been great at getting dirty And putting the hard hat on and building up a program. So right now, what Tim's doing is is Tim's building the staff. Uh, Tim's checking out the transfer portal. And and Tim Miles, along with Craig Smith, did wonders for Nebraska basketball as they were moving into a new building, as they were able to find guys from Power 5 Leagues, uh, Teran Pettaway, Texas Tech, Walt Pitchford, Florida, get them here. And he inherited Siobhan Shields, and that was a, a money trio to get you to the NCAA tournament. You know, it, it's a it's a really good league he's going into. But thankfully for Tim Miles, it's a league he's super familiar with. I think he can win. Uh, Tim's connections have been Midwest, but Tim's got to what Tim's got to do now is is find guys and uh, get him to San Jose State. Tim's got to find a couple of dudes that have some connection with people he knows that that are west coast folks period end of story because that's that's where he's going to be able to to I don't think you'll have a problem getting kids from the midwest to go out his direction but you want to be able to get some some kids from cali or or kids from the the the, the, the you know mountain desert region and and win with some of that talent as well, because there's so, there's a there's a ton, there's a lot of JUCO's also to go mine, in Utah and let's go to to Silicon Valley. So good on Tim Miles. We are efforting Tim Miles, and that may or may not happen in this lifetime, but we'll try to get Tim Miles on the horn and, and spend a few minutes with him. Good for him finding a gig. Uh, Nebraska making a move here as they were able to get Nate Lenzer back on staff, and I say back on staff because this is the third time Nate's been with Fred Hoiberg, uh, former Bulls assistant, former Iowa State assistant. You, you've maybe seen some of the quotes from uh, the NBA studs that that are doing well, specifically Levine, who's number seven in scoring in the NBA right now, and and that's, that's kind of the next step for, for Nebraska. Do you have some skilled development guys can really hammer away and get guys to be better at handling the ball, better at making moves, getting getting better at finishing, better shooters. Can guys shoot better? Uh, Lenz, there's a familiar name for the Hoiberg staff, and uh, you still get to keep Doc Sandler, which is great. We'll wind down hour one next.
1: And now. And now, back to Hale
2: Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline, Dr. Rub. Gonna be with us in uh, ten minutes. Rick Kaczynski. is uh, Barry Alvarez has a retirement date. Gonna be the end of June. It makes me sad, but it's more golf and wine time for Barry. You're a big Barry guy, aren't you?
0: I, I can say I'm jealous of what he's uh, done up there up north. So I, I wish I could have could have stuck around a bit longer. But yeah, I mean, I mean, can't say anything bad about him. Oh, there are some Nebraska I mean, fans that would could.
2: would go there. The the insinuate Barry's like one of my favorites because he's come on the show with us for years, and we'll get a hold of him here in the near future. But yeah, I mean the the Eichorst thing and the Riley thing. People, some some people are like, well, who who suggested Mike Riley? Who suggested Sean Eichorst? So there's some folks that are ticked at Barry about that. But overall, he took Nebraska and and moved it up to Wisconsin when he started this program in 1990. And he'd been a great coordinator at Notre Dame, won a national championship with the Irish on that 88 team, it was with Iowa for years. And Barry's was so awesome here as, as he coached at Northeast and he also coached, uh, out in western Nebraska. And, man, he uh, he just did it his way. And, and he's been so good about kind of handing off the program and keeping his eyes on it with some of the coaching changes they they have had. They've not really dropped off in football or in basketball. And he's been a, a, a big proponent for the Big Ten and a voice for college football for a long, long time, specifically with him and Osborne on the uh, playoff selection committees. I mean, it stinks that he's leaving, and it's really kind of a vulnerable time, quite honestly, that, that he is leaving because you've got TV negotiations on the doorstep with the Big Ten. I th- pray and hope things go well for the Big Ten. They'll, they'll do fine. But it's just been, it's been an odd year with transition, with turnover, with Delaney stepping down, and now you have Barry Alvarez stepping down. You've got Commissioner Warren, and you have the, the Council of Presidents and Chancellors that, let's just be honest, their their agenda has been different than those in, in many athletic departments around the league. So there you have it. I mean, you've got Joe Castiglione that's kind of the other godfather-type figure of success. Pollard just got extended. And I don't think that's a coincidence. If I'm if I'm making a, a an AD hire, I look at Pollard real quick because of how great he's done. He's always found a really good coach <laughs> at Iowa State. Be it be it Hoiberg uh, for a while, it was working out well at Iowa State with with their their coach that was before Campbell. God, it's escaping me. I I need more ginseng or something, but. Uh, I'm so proud to be your coach, Paul Rhodes. And uh, then you have Coach Campbell, who's been incredible. Barry Alvarez, man, is amazing. And Wisconsin is not just Big Ten champion level or Rose Bowl or BCS, but he built them from awful, awful, just destroyed, three wins a season-type setting to a double-digit win team that's physical and will beat the crap out of you.
1: Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska
2: Lottery, an All American an and Academic All American, and part of the pipeline. It's great to get caught up again with uh, Rob Zadiska, Doctor Rob, and uh, catch his podcast with Travis Justice, Doc Talk Sports. at Doc Talk Sports on Twitter, Doctor Rob, uh, how you feeling, man? It's Spring Ball, and well, do you like what you're hearing and seeing about the offensive line? Good to be with you.
4: Well, no, absolutely, Chris. Good to talk with you again. Um, You know, I think the thing that I'm optimistic about is that, you know, I'm not hearing the things that you kind of heard when Frost first came to Lincoln about. I mean, there's kind of the whole line that I know is probably haunting him a little bit now about, you know, I hope the Big Ten can adjust to our style of offense and, Well, we kind of saw that in action a little bit for three years, and I'm not sure if the Big Ten really worried about it. It was sort of like swatting a fly away for the most part. And what we're hearing now is the coaches down in Lincoln, kind of the rhetoric you're hearing is, hey – Maybe we need to adjust to the point where we need to get a little bit bigger, play a little bit of a more physical style, and maybe lining up and just leaning on the defense for a while and trying to run the ball, pound the rock, play kind of a little bit more of a smash-mouth style might be the way to go, and it basically kind of conforming to the Big Ten a little bit. And I think to succeed, that's something they're going to have to do. I was optimistic to see what Frost's offense could do. Now, I mean, if you got somebody, say, like Ohio State-level athletes, you can make that fly. Mm -hmm. But we're not there yet in terms of the quality of the athletes in Lincoln. And so I think – that's that's a, that's kind of a little bit of an evolution we needed to see here is that we needed to see a team that got a little bit bigger and was maybe willing to just sort of line up and smash the ball away a bit. They're,
2: they're taking a lot with them from the Rutgers. And, you know, post-practice, I was listening to Turner Corcoran. I know it's just one start for him, but also Ben Hart. I mean, those are your two... Your two tackles, and and then you've got Jergens and and Piper, and you got a, a mix of guys for the right guard spot, and and obviously nothing cemented. Brand Banks could be playing some guard as well. Uh, they'll also look at him at tackle, and then Hickson, I think will be super key. Whether he wins a starting spot on the, on the guard uh, opposite uh, Jergens on that right side, or if he's kind of your swing guy that can play as a backup center—God forbid you you lose you know someone to injury—but be a guy that can play you know all three spots. Uh, that'll be important. But I'm interested here, and you're right about conforming. It's okay to. To, to dial back and, and be physical. When you look at some of these young guys on the offensive line, I'm not asking you to get your crystal ball out here, Dr. Rob, but do you like what you see, at least from, from your spot, that tackle, do you like where things can go with this offense from a physicality standpoint and then also helping out with the pass game, pass protection?
4: Uh, you know, I, for the most part, I do. I mean, Ethan Piper is a guy that I think overall – can really develop into a really good football player just because he plays a, a very physical style. He's a big kid with a lot of natural strength, and guys like that tend to you maximize what you got, and I think he's in a situation to be able to do that. Um, you know, the, the one downside going into this is the fact that we, you've lost a couple of fifth-year seniors off of that line with uh, – with Hymas and uh, Farniok. I can't say I was a huge fan of them in terms of the fact that I looked looked at them and it was one of these, man, these guys are the next great Mm -hmm. historical offensive lineman for Nebraska. But it's guys that had a ton of experience and you have lost that. So I I look at this, I've, I've got some excitement for these young guys, but at the same time it's tempered by the fact that Boy, you know what? Corcoran's going to be, I mean, he's got the one start. I'd have to go back and look yeah. how much actual playing time, but I think he still retains that year of eligibility. He does, yeah. Um, so he's essentially still just a redshirt freshman this year. Um, ben Hart's going to be a redshirt sophomore. You've got some young guys here, and it's that does count against you a little bit. I mean, it takes a little bit in terms of being able to not necessarily learn the offense, but just be able to kind of become a more seasoned player, a little bit more strength. Um, both of those guys are big, tall guys. Mm-hmm. you, you got to learn how to play with that leverage. If you, if you don't know how to get low and how to bring that weight down close to the ground, that can work against you a little bit. And we saw that a little bit last year with Ben Hart, where guys for – lack of a better phraseology could kind of get underneath him and stand him up and that's something he's going to have to learn how to learn how to counter and it's not always easy when you're 6'9 to be able to get low to the ground but he's a guy with a ton of natural strength great lower body strength and i think he's got a huge upside same for corker and i think turner is a kid that has might have a little bit more natural strength than anybody on the line right now, with the exception of Jergens. Um, and I think he, when he gets a little bit more comfortable holding down that tackle, that left tackle spot, I think he could be really, really good.
2: Greg Austin wants the, the guys to to play physical, uh, to to be detail oriented, but he wants them to be angry. Did did you play angry? Did your, your mates on the pipeline play angry? What was your guy? I mean, you guys were the, great, but. Oh, how did you, how you did, know, I how suppose i call
4: it a controlled anger. I mean, it was a very. Osborne County, he, he didn't like the whole notion of anger. It was a very aggressive style of play. Mm-hmm. Um. He he wanted the line of scrimmage moved on every play, pass plays. Mm-hmm. He wanted you beating up defensive linemen on pass blocking even. And I'm not talking about just play action passing, but he wanted you to play very aggressively. He wanted you to take a physical toll on the defense. He wanted you to hurt the defense and wear those guys down. Um make those guys think twice the next time they're walking up to the line of scrimmage if they really want to go against you again and that's something that you have to do. I don't you don't want to come out with this kind of overly fired up level of anger, but you want to go into a game, you want to go into the offensive line position thinking about it in the sense that it's not a passive Position to play, it is a very aggressive, very moving forward style of offense or style of play that allows you to be successful in. I think any offense. Yeah. Um, there's a great film clip if you can find it out there of Tony Baselli, who's a all, longtime All-Pro tackle for Jacksonville, going against Bruce Smith of. Just absolute Hall of Famer defensive end for Buffalo, and Tony Baselli is literally just beating up, basically having a boxing match with Bruce Smith and pounding him into the ground on play after play. And those two guys had to go against each other multiple times over the course of their careers in the NFL. And every time they did, Baselli treated it like a boxing match and would just go to war with them. It was a very aggressive style. And that's what these guys have to have is that aggressive style. You've got to go into a game, think, not just thinking that you're going to execute the play, Mm -hmm. but you've got to win that line of scrimmage. You've got to be able to move a guy back and push a guy back off of a line, off of the line of scrimmage, and if these guys aren't thinking that way, hmm. then there's a problem.
2: Rob Zadis is with us. Hale Varsity Radio, Oscar All-American, part of the Pipeline, Academic All-American, Doctor Rob, with us here. His uh, program with Travis Justice, a great podcast to check out at Doc Talk Sports, and we're talking some spring football. When we talk about the offense, uh, the, the feel is or the the. The idea is is to be more physical, like you're talking about, uh, get a run game going, find a couple of backs to pair with an offensive line, and then hammer some teams with play action. And Coach McBride always talked about this uh, on the other side of it, where you may not throw more than 12 to 15 times a game during the Air Ozzy era, but, man, your play action was so lethal uh, because – Defenses had to stop and respect your run. Do you see this offense being able to make some hay uh, with play action moving forward? I mean, that to me, that kind of s- screams Big Ten, where you run it, you run it, you run it, and then you get hammered by a tight end up the seam.
4: Well, I'd love to see him incorporate that more, and I think that's something that maybe kind of hampered Frost's offense was the fact that. They didn't have that really consistent running game the last two years. I think when they had a Zigbo couple of years ago, it made a big difference. But once he graduated and moved on to the NFL, it seemed like you saw a big step back in that running game um you've got to be able to run the ball to have that play-action pass. And so it does kind of come back to that running look. If the defense doesn't, doesn't respect your running game, they're not going to respect the play-action pass either. So it definitely goes hand-in-hand. Hand. And I think that's something that's hurt Nebraska's offense is that They knew Nebraska was kind of – it was a little one-sided the last two years. They didn't have a deep passing threat. Stanley Morgan was gone, and they didn't have an adequate replacement. And then uh, at the same time as well, too, they didn't have that consistent run game. And then so they knew that if Nebraska was going to hurt him, it was going to be these dump-off passes, the passes to the flat, the screens, um, the the end arounds, the jet sweeps. Uh, things of that nature. It, it was never going to be this really divert, diverse offense. It was going to be it was going to be one sided with, like I said, kind of these the, this middle of the road look, okay. and that's just not something you can win with. Where you're, it, it's all five ten yard passes, things like that. If, you, if you're trying to go with that in this style of offense or in this league. It's just not something you're going to have a lot of success with long-term. I mean, you you got to establish the run. you got to get that deep ball down there as well, too. And if you can do that, it's going to open all sorts of doors for you, including that play-action pass.
2: Rob, we'll wrap up here. Rob Zadiska with us, hale Mar City Radio. And uh, we're talking uh, about the Nebraska offense and, and kind of the, the evolution of it. Uh, we had Mitch Sherman on in Hour 1, and Mitch touched on in his column the, the quarterback makeover turnovers uh, pretty big point of emphasis uh, yesterday by by Adrian himself by Frost earlier and of course uh, Mario Verduzco you know when you look at Adrian going into year four you know what's what's the upside you see and, and what I guess kind of defines a, a really good year for him yes wins but does he get too much blame for the turnovers or is that just kind of Part of the business here, as as quarterback at Nebraska,
4: I think it's a little bit kind of just a function of where the offense is at right now. You've got a lot of limitations. Again, it goes back to we haven't had the sound, strong, consistent running game. You haven't had a deep threat, and so a lot of the pressure comes back onto the quarterback it, with the run game. What do you think about Red running the ball—it's it's, it's Ben McCaffrey and Martinez. Mm-hmm. That that's been your major running threats. And when that's the case, one, it's a bad thing to begin with. You, you want your running back to be your primary run threat. Um, but it's it, it's also a setup for all the turnovers because when your quarterback's carrying the ball, play in and play out, and or throwing it, I mean. The guy, the the every single play is going through him, whether he's carrying it or throwing it. Those turnover numbers are gonna are gonna get pretty high for the guy when that's the situation.
2: That's true, and uh, didn't get help in some instances. They're trying to get better uh, production and more explosive with the wide receiver room, and they're trying to find a a running back or two or three to lean on here. And you know that's what I'd like to see here moving forward too. And be able to get downhill, keep a back healthy and uh get get a guy lathered up. I mean, I, I remember the running backs uh growing up that you'd see two or three guys, but man, you had your you had your mail carrier. It was LP or it was <laughs> it was a Well, or, right? I mean, back, you, back you had then, some
4: greats. Back then the mail carriers went 3 deep, so. Yeah,
2: <laughs> That's true. And 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 right now you're trying to find a first, second and third, aren't you?
4: yeah I mean and yeah I mean heck we 're trying to find one guy that we can rely on, and that's a that 's a tough situation to be in because you you want a couple of guys I mean you want a, you want a Damon Benning you can mm-hmm. put in there and get a hundred yards. you want a Clinton Childs you can put in there, get a hundred yards it doesn 't have to be the Amon Greens and the Derek Browns and the Calvin Jones. you want a few guys that can do that, and they just they don 't we just right now we 're just looking for one. Rob
2: Zadiska with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio, his podcast, uh, Doc Talk Sports with Travis Justice. If you haven't, and I'm pretty sure you have but check that out. Dr. Rob, we'll we'll get caught up again here towards the end of spring and see what we think. Thanks for a few minutes today.
4: Absolutely. you got to have a great rest of the day. Good stuff from
2: Rob Zadiska. The Pride of East, part of the uh, pipeline and national champion in 1994. Some good old line talk there, what he thought of Ben Hart and Corcoran uh, will shift gears. And, you know, what's Adrian seeing week in, week out on the defensive lines he's going against? What do you need on the offensive line? Rob Zadisky kind of touched on that. Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska assistant, with his next on Hale Varsity.
1: And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Tail City Radio, presented
2: by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some football with uh, Coach Rick Kaczynski at Nebraska and, and at Iowa. Coach, uh, how many sunflower seeds have you been through here with all this baseball you're doing?
6: Uh, I tell you what, maybe Well, first of all, thanks for having me on again. South Carolina, fortunate to have uh, some great weather. So uh, we got uh, 17 games under our belt here with with travel ball and feels like about fifty practices. So We're getting a lot of ball in outside so can't complain. Got a balmy eighty seven here today, sun shining. So uh, I just can't beat
2: it. Can't complain, brother. Did you rip it up on the diamond? We'll get to spring ball in a second. I know you could hoop. I know you could block. I know you could tackle. But how were you in the batter's box?
6: Well, Schmitty, since there's no videotape of me from back then, I can uh, can expand on my own ledge. I was I was pretty good. I think I was pretty good. You know, we it, growing up, I mean, you didn't have a choice. You played basketball, football, and baseball. So playing three sports a year. I was fortunate um, in our neighborhood, had a bunch of kids. It was old-time neighborhood right out of the movies. You had right. the church, the school, the boys' club, and the park. Um, all within about a, a block's walk of everybody and uh, yeah I had my older brother and all his friends beat on me but let me play and then I had five cousins that lived right behind us wasn't hard putting teams together so I was fortunate got to play with some older kids when when I was really young that, that I think probably helped me when I, was, uh, when I was playing youth and all due respect it's, it's western Pennsylvania baseball it's not like these travel teams and things like that we had uh, we had teams that were sponsored by uh, Teamsters in ethnic clubs, everybody had the same uniform. You just had a different color hat, and you ironed on the patch of uh, whatever, whether it was the Teamsters or UE Local Five Hundred Six or whoever, whoever was your sponsor. Yeah, that's what you did. But other than that, man, it a little, it's, it's definitely, definitely changed. But it was a lot cheaper to play baseball back when I was growing up. That's for sure. But I was, I think I was, I think I was, uh, I was okay until people started throwing curveballs at me when I was fifteen, and then I became really, really, really. The average. You know, Kurt, Thank God, there's no no video, no video, no YouTube, no Facebook, no Instagram. I'll, I'll let other people do the investigation on me. That's fine. You on. don't you
2: don't want to brag. I get it, but there's nothing worse than the, the, you're going against a kid who uh, could grow a goatee at age 14. Probably drove to practice and he had a wicked curveball. You know what I mean? I mean that just oh, that yeah. sucked.
6: Yeah, you know, think about it. you know the sports just weren't as crazy and the seasons seasons weren't as long my son got done with tournaments in November mm. and they were already in hoops overlapping and then uh, same thing hoops overlapped into baseball again they started baseball workouts back in January and practicing uh, full go at the end of February So, it, but it's a good thing rather yeah. have them doing that than playing video games and we're fortunate down here where baseball is really important they invest a lot of money and youth sports and parks and and it's uh, about 65 degrees in January, so uh, I'll take
2: it. You can get it done. That's awesome. Rick Kaczynski's with us. Hale Varsity Radio. We had to talk a little youth baseball. Uh, that gets going for uh, my family this weekend and happy to hear your little guys doing well with it. So, mm-hmm. in your perspective in the Big Ten as long as you were, what what's the average offensive line Gonna face week in week out with a Big Ten schedule. What what are the defensive lines like in the Big Ten? I can talk about it. You lived it. You coached it. And it's and I and I ask that just because you know there's some experience on on the Nebraska offensive line. Uh, they're going to be a, you know Nebraska fans hope another year better. But in all honesty, you've got four out of five spots potentially returning if guys do their job this spring and into the fall. But the, the grind and what's what's required on the offensive line to to be you know to be the difference uh, if your team wants to run the football and keep your quarterback safe.
6: Well, a big a big part of it is is staying healthy which ties into what you're doing in the off season and what each player is doing individually, you know, away from, away from the complex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and also having a little bit of luck, but all the teams that I've ever been around, uh, and had to, had to face as a coach and the teams that I played on the best teams were guys that were ex- experienced surrounded by guys that played together mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, you know, and just, Feeding off my experience, you look at Iowa in in 2007, you had Claiborne was a redshirt freshman, Ballard was a true freshman, Mike Daniels was a redshirt freshman. You had a bunch of guys, Carl Klug, redshirt freshman. So you had a, a lot of the same guys playing next to each other for a long period of time. And then what happens is, you know, through fundamentals, you're doing the same things over and over and over. Those guys are able to coach themselves. And then they're able to to coach the younger guys when they come in, but not not just coach the fundamentals and the technique, what it takes to be a successful O and D lineman at a power five level, but also coaching them how to be off the field, you know, how to manage their life. Don't make the mistakes that I did. Don't do this as a freshman. Don't think that you're not going to be ready to play. Don't think that, hey, This window isn't going to shut on you quicker than you think, man. You know, so you got those guys talking about life experience. You got those guys talking to those guys about, hey, listen, there's a difference between being hurt and injured. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't miss practice. You know, you have to play. You got to do whatever you got to do. You got to take care of yourself. You know, what's I tell you? You know, like I remember Pat Angler talking about Iowa. It was, it was. You know, he he enjoyed himself out of Iowa his freshman sophomore year, but he never he didn't enjoy himself quite as much uh, downtown Iowa City as he did Saturdays in Kinnick Stadium and all these Big Ten stadiums uh, uh, across the uh, across the Midwest. So, you know, just kind of that leaning on that experience and helping those guys set the standard and showing the young guys the formula it takes to be successful so absolutely when you got four guys five guys you got that consistency you got guys that can just kind of give each other a look you know the communication part of it and they know exactly what the other guy's doing it's, it's absolutely critical and you get confidence on that I was fortunate Schmitty when I played I was surrounded by great players that made me look better. Hmm. You know, when I got in there and I got moved positions, I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I was surrounded by good players that helped me um, and that knew what the hell they were doing. So they were in a position to help me and bring me along. So, yeah, I, you know, when, when you have that type of experience, it, you're, you're setting yourself up for success, that's for sure.
2: You hit on a, a key word, and, and that is confidence, and Nebraska's been working on that uh, this spring. There's been a lot of fundamental drilling, which is typical in spring. There's the detail-oriented The special teams is now what they start with when practice starts. That's been relayed to us uh, from players. So there's there's been a shift and there's... Hey, Schmitty, not to yeah, I I interject ahead. something. Please,
6: yes. Every school across the country that I've ever seen, just so you... <laughs> I don't know if that—that's not some—that's not a novelty. I can promise you that it's
2: new. Not, Nebraska didn't yeah, start with new, special it's, teams. It's new,
6: it's new with this staff, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's definitely not a novelty. I don't,
2: you know. No, I got you.
6: That—that's that's par for the course at at every program I've ever visited or been a part of. That's for sure.
2: No that's fine and and I'm not like throwing in heaping praise I'm just saying it's it's different okay that's <laughs> been yeah. communicated so yeah. so th- they're emph- emphasizing special teams which needs to happen it's it's cost the squad some games but also you know confidence and you got to kind of go do it and and, and that's kind of the next step for Nebraska as you watch Adrian Martinez man you see a guy that can make a lot of plays you you've seen a guy that can 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 try and do too much it's at some points as well and, and you've seen a guy that's that's not played uh when he's been 100 percent healthy here what you know what can a can a fourth year a uh, high level fourth year look like for him you've seen a lot of quarterbacks in the league
6: well, I think when you when you look at you look at Adrian, uh, one you can't you can't put a price tag on the on the experience. You can't replicate experience. You can't replicate game day, the high pressure situations. So what Adrian knows, Adrian knows what works, what doesn't work. Um, I guarantee he he's a motivated guy. From, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't talk to many people up there anymore, but the people I talk to it sounds like a great kid. You know, never had anything off the field. What you want seems like a leader. Seems like a guy rally. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's more than just the quarterback. I can promise you that, and that's including coaches, and mm-hmm. that's that's including the, the the skill players also. He needs some help, and and that includes the running game. Um, you know, there there's rarely, rarely, rarely great offense, great passing offense that that doesn't have the threat of a run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can nickel and dime people in that old you know, whatever, run and shoot West Coast, all those type of things. But you gotta, you gotta run, you've got to run the ball. And if you want to go deep, just look at the Wisconsin's, look at the Iowa's, um, you know, look at the Ohio State's. You know, it's two, three-man routes off of play action because you have to commit to, stop, to the run, stop the run. And that's what Nebraska, to get your passing game going, you have to be able to run the football. Especially in the Big Ten. It's hard throwing the football in late October and November. It's hard throwing the foot, a cold football. It's hard hard catching a football. Mm-hmm. And um, so you gotta be able to pound and grind and you gotta keep people off balance and I and I think, you know, a big part of Adrian, I think he's he's taken way more way more hits um, from the outside than I think the kid deserves. And I, I think another thing will he'll benefit, there's no Luke McCaffrey anymore and them trying to find snaps to, to appease this guy, because that, that's how I view it. So Adrian's the guy. He knows he's the guy. It's his show. You know, he doesn't have to give up reps. He doesn't have to fall out of rhythm to get this guy this series or that series. And, and, that, and that, that's hard. I don't care what, what sport you play. I mean, look at a running back. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not feeding a running back a ball consistently, He's never going to get in a rhythm. He's never going to see how that if that backside backer is overplaying this play or how defenses play certain plays. So it's all about rhythm. So I think Adrian is really – I think the things are falling in line for that kid to to have a real successful year. Now he's got to get some help. And, you know, turnovers aren't just on the – turnovers aren't just on the quarterback, I promise you that. And, uh, you know, turnovers are on coaches. And turnovers, you know, a lot of things happen that people don't know about in football. Guys breaking wrong on the wrong step. It's all timing, you know. The ball's coming out before – receivers come out of their break you take two extra steps and that db's jumping and it's interception so there's there's way more things that go on to it than than people really understand unless you're a part of it Mm. um but you know i'm i'm a big fan of adrian martinez huge fan and um i think if you can get that running game going he's going to be dangerous and i'm not talking a running game with adrian martinez people are onto that And I think he's gotten a little bit beat up. You can't count on Adrian Martinez to to run the ball down the field. You know, you got to hand that ball off. You know, the play action's got to mesh with your run game. And if Nebraska can do that, Adrian's going to have a hell of a season.
1: And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Rick
2: Kaczynski is with us. Hale Varsity Radio, uh, defensive line coach, Nebraska and Iowa. Kaz, we'll, we'll wind down on this. And then you mentioned the, the run game. And you've got Step in here. Uh, transfer from SC was a Notre Dame commit. You've got a, a, a stable of kids that really are, are all together for the first time. And what is uh, the relationship like at its peak from your experience when you see an O-line? And and a really good back or, or a couple of backs, uh, what's that mesh like? And and it, it needs to happen. I agree with everything you've said about the run game to to get things going on offense. But between your time at Notre Dame, between how good Iowa's been historically with their run game, and even when you're at Nebraska. I think of some really good uh, O-linemen. I think of Searles and Qualley and, and Spencer and, and then the group after them, too, with, with Amir's senior season. Amir was special, but Amir, Amir had some good guys in front of him. So that complement, the O-line and the, run back, the running uh, back options, it can do, it can do wonders, wonders can it, for an offense?
6: Oh, absolutely. It can do wonders for a team because your you're O-line leads the team. Um, and your quarterback might be the vocal leader. He might be the guy, you know, coming out of the tunnel. He's the guy that really, he's the spokesman of the team. But, you know, he, let's be honest, your, your O-line is representative of your program. You know, what, what, what are you? You know, are you tough? Are you blue-collar? Are you doing everything you've got to do at all costs? Just go back at, and look at Nebraska's successful years and look at their O-linemen and I think when you you look at their O linemen, they represented the state of Nebraska. They represented Nebraska football. They represented, you know, everything that the Midwest. You know, kick you in the mouth, kick you in the dirt. I mean, you name it, and just keep coming for for you. You know, punishing you, no mercy, and then you know we'll give you a standing ovation on your way out of Lincoln. And I and I, and I think, I, I think that's that's the mentality that not just the the running backs feed off but the entire the entire team does and when you have a good old line it's going to make your d-line even better i used to love it when i had young kids against going against a, a great experienced offensive line if they saw that every single day in practice they were getting better they were getting better they understood the tempo they understood the pop. You know they had to understand adversity and getting kicked in the teeth, and how to figure out a way to come back from that and play the next play. And then, you know, quite frankly, they had to get pissed off, and that's how you play the game. You can't, you can't be a nice guy. you know, on the football field. You, you can't. You know, you, you just you can't. I mean, you got to be mad. You got to be pissed off. You got to be angry. It's not. It's not fun. What's fun is is the reward of the of the process and let me tell you the process of being an o-line is not real o-lineman is not it's not a lot of fun if it's fun being an o-lineman you're not very good offensive lineman same thing at the d-line so so if you got an an o-line with experience with toughness you know they set the tempo they are the leaders here your your spokesman is your, he's like your state representative, right? Mm. He gets in front of the mic, looks pretty, and says all the things that people want to hear. But, you know, your O line, they make it go. They make it go, and everybody feeds off them.
2: Kaz, this was awesome. We'll run you down uh, next Tuesday, if it works with your schedule, to talk some more ball. And uh, have a great weekend of baseball, man. It was fun to catch up.
6: Always fun, buddy. I always make time for you, Shmita. You take care, man. Thanks for having me on.
2: Coach Kaz, good to run him down. And we like our Tuesday chats with Kaz and get his take on things. And, you know, it's a multiple part equation with uh, with Adrian Martinez and uh, three different folks. I uh, got a really awesome writer and Mitch Sherman, former player, and Dr. Rob Zadiska. Part of the pipeline to kick off our two and then coach Kaczynski and uh, some some pretty good insight from all three on Adrian. And we started the show off talking about, you know, Adrian and gets the, the praise and the blame. But, man, it's, it's everything around him that needs to step up. And, and just think about this. And I was looking at some mock draft things and all these guys that are slated to go in the first round at the skill spots. I mean, it's it's complimentary and I know that there's not a, a ton of dudes from BYU that I see in the first round uh, other than Zach Wilson, but he had guys to, to throw to, guys to protect him. Trevor Lawrence, all-star team around him, not to diminish his talent, but man, uh, Trevor Lawrence had, had dudes to throw to. And I keep seeing Mac Jones in the three spot to San Francisco, and like the knock on Mac Jones is, well... Hell, I could have won with with Bama's talent at quarterback. No, dude. I mean, yes, it would have been easier. <laughs> I'm going to hand off here. I'm going to throw a little bubble to waddle or get Smith on a go route, whatever. Uh, Matt Jones, yes, had a ton of talent around him. He still he was still the point guard, so to speak, at quarterback to make it go. And. That's that's where Nebraska's at right now. It's 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 yes, it's Adrian, it's yes, it's Adrian taking care of the football. Yes, it's better decisions. But everything else around him is going to enable him to be his best. And again, we point back to 2018. And 2018 was what? 2018 was a decent offensive line, right? You had Foster. Uh and on offense, you had a couple of guys at, at receiver, Quincy and uh, not Quincy, but uh, but but Stan, excuse me, and uh, Quincy would have been great, Quincy Nuno. But you had you had Stanley Morgan and you had Spielman, right? So you factor in those Igbo running for a grand. That's why you had a freshman look like that freshman did making plays downfield. The run game was good. The offensive line was good enough. You just needed the defense to be better and close out some games, right? So it's everything else around Adrian on top of him stepping his game up, and, and I know he's focused on doing that. So the the mock drafts continue to come out here, and so we inch closer and closer to the end of April for the NFL draft, and you have more and more uh, analysts saying Mac Jones is, is somebody they really like, kind of in that same shadow of of a Matt Ryan that works so well with with Kyle Shanahan. Atlanta is open to trading their fourth pick. I don't know that they're in love with Trey Lance at four or Fields at four. I think Pitts would be great, but maybe they they trade it and still get him. Because I've seen Pitts from Florida go anywhere from from 10 to, to 15. A lot of wideouts in the middle part of the uh, the five through seven, but we get to uh, to, to Carolina here, and, and Mike Tannenbaum, the former GM of the Jets, put his mock draft out, and he's like, you know what, Carolina, you just got Darnold, right? Darnold's owed roughly twenty four million over the next two years. If you draft Fields, you still have a rookie contract to deal with, so you have two young cost effective quarterbacks and make a decision to move one of them down the road and you still have an opportunity to get something for Teddy Bridgewater I think Teddy's guaranteed 10 of his 17 million so that's where I'm at now Tynamom's like well if you remove the uh, (laughs) the film from Indiana, Northwestern and Alabama Fields would be the number two pick well those are some pretty big games Right, some pretty big games against Northwestern and Alabama and in Indiana. You went two and one against. Who you went two and one against? So, I don't know. I, I think you go skill spot, and you see what you can ride with Darnold.
1: Miss us. Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time on a Tuesday. It's Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Thanks for spending time with us today. Mitch Sherman was with us. Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the Pipeline. And Coach Rick Kaczynski, if you missed part of it, all good. Just get the podcast, get to iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Give us a rating, tell us what you think. And the on-demand section, also ESPNLincoln.com. Rick Pizzo tomorrow, Mike Babcock tomorrow. We'll get some master's thoughts from Mike Schuhart. So all set to come on a Wednesday. So I uh, want to remind you here, about uh, buckling up uh, we talk about it uh, every day it feels like but it's uh, so so important to uh, to get that seat belt on and uh, when you do buckle up it, it saves lives that is for certain so uh, when it comes to uh, that we we look at numbers right 70 percent of people in fatal crashes in nebraska aren't buckled up if used properly seat belts can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%, your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Damon Barr, it is time to talk about uh, what's for dinner. Are you and the uh, the, the lovely girlfriend uh, Are you doing takeout? Is it, is it hamburger helper night? What do we got rolling?
0: The lovely girlfriend is uh, feeling a bit under the weather today. So, looks like a chicken noodle and... Uh, homemade. Homemade. Uh from a can, if you can say
2: it's homemade. I, I made it in the microwave. That is that is a no, but your heart <laughs> is in the right place. I I can't like just clown you for, for going, yeah, it's in a can. Um No, my mother always makes the best homemade chicken noodle soup. And then she puts it on mashed potatoes and I I, I grow another roll. It is what it is, but it's fantastic. So yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, if if she's needing a little pep because of of how she's feeling, y- you might go with some hot and sour soup. Or would that Ooh, make things worse? I feel like that could mm, add to the I feel situation. Like might,
0: I feel like that might create a bit of a problem going forward. So we'll <laughs> stick with the chicken noodle. Uh, we'll, we'll
2: we'll keep it light tonight. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Uh so so no to the hot and sour. But that means more box wine for you tonight. Yeah, I'm gonna hog it all. Uh yeah. Okay. So what do you what's your take here? You're 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 kind of a quarterback connoisseur. Are you out on Dwight Schrute Junior? Sam Darnold. Uh have you y- not decided? You know, I'm I'm like really intrigued by this because I, I don't think he's Awful. I want to see him on a team. I like that's his not, talent. I want to
0: see him not with the Jets. So I,
2: right, I, I would
0: love to see what he does this year coming out of the gate. I don't know if he's uh, the future in Carolina, but I, I think he he's got a chance to. He's be got one to of feel the, like he just got paroled. <laughs> yeah, he's got a chance to to prove he's a, a mid talent level quarterback in the NFL, which it, he has not been able to. to I just pull off
2: yet. I don't know if if he's a guy that just messes the bed once they get in the red zone or if i mean he he has or if it's just the fact there's nobody to throw to well hopefully
0: he doesn't catch mono again with uh in in, down in carolina no i
2: but i would have i would have tried to catch mono to make sure i'm not getting smoked in new york talk to you tomorrow at four hail varsity back at you on a wednesday we're presented by the nebraska lottery